So it's, uh, it's been a pretty interesting kind of season we're in. We, uh, <clears throat> there's so much happening in the spiritual realm that we think is happening in the physical realm first. But the spiritual and the invisible always precedes the physical and the tangible. Now, that may not seem profound to you, but when you begin to enter into this walk of God, you have to remember that you are first a living spirit, and then secondarily, you have a physical body that houses your eternal spirit. And the reason that becomes so important is because when you start to enter into the realm of faith, you begin to understand that when you're pursuing something first in the physical, you're kind of going backwards. You want to pursue it first in the spiritual for the release in heaven to earth. You see, you are not made for time just solely. You are made for eternity. So everything in your physical realm right now that seems so real and so important is only secondary to that which exists in the eternal and the spiritual realm. So you see, Jesus said, no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit of God draw him. So the very salvation, the act of salvation is not you making a decision. It is first the Spirit of God drawing you into his love, showing you the benefits and the love of the Father so that you feel like you just step into it. It just seems so natural and so real. It never seems contrived or, or forced. And the same thing's true when you talk about walking in the Spirit as a Christian. So when you walk in the Spirit, a lot of people say, well, I need more faith. Can I just say you don't need more faith, you just need to be in the Word more. You see, because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, Romans chapter 10. So you say, well, I want more faith, then read the Word of God more. Because the Word of God is the divine revelation of Almighty God. And when you read the Word of God, you're not reading a book. You're encountering God. And that's why there's a dynamic that happens in the reading of the Word of God where the Spirit of God takes that which you're reading and he begins to apply it to your situation in that day. That's why you can read a passage and then read it a year or two later and it takes on a whole new dynamic for you because of the application you're living out in that particular day in your life. And faith is one of those realms where we all talk about it. We'll even hear people say, well, just have faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. You see, faith has to be objective. There has to be an object of your faith, Almighty God. It cannot be subjective, a feeling. So if you live cautiously, your friends will call you wise. You just won't move many mountains. So walking in the Spirit of God is that act whereby you release the physical realm so that you encounter Almighty God. And what we want you to do today is we want every one of you to, to experience that on some level where you take a, a, a part of your life that is challenging, whether it's relational or financial, whether it's business, whatever it has to do with, take that realm and begin to say, I want to release heaven to earth in my situation to see God work. Because if I ask everyone in this room, how, if I ask you to raise your hands, and I won't right now, but if I ask you to raise your hands and say, how many of you have a need that only God can fill, my guess is half of you would raise your hand, but all of you should. 
Because you see, when you admit that, you almost feel like you've somehow been, the power has been removed from you and given over to someone else. Because there's a, there's a logical thing that goes in our mind as humans, and that is, I can handle a lot of stuff, and I really get into deep water, I'll call on God. But the Bible says all things, by all things in prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So it's all things. Not some things, all things. Why do I need to pray for all things? I'm pretty capable. No, you're very capable. That's part of your problem. You're so capable, you try to maneuver around God so you don't have to submit to his lordship and walk in the spirit. God wants a face-to-face encounter with you every single day. What kind of relationship is it with a father when the only time you go to him is when you have a big crisis? So you be in the, if you get yourself in the word of God, what's happening is your faith is growing, so when the mountains come, you're ready for the mountain. The mountain is smaller if you're walking in the spirit on a daily basis and reading the word. The mountain is bigger if you have to encounter the, the word. You say, well, I don't know, I need more faith. No, you should have been building up faith over time. Amen? All right. Well, that's just a little intro to where we're going today. But you have to take ownership of the invisible in order to have ownership in the visible. You with me on this? All right. George McDonald said, there are things that must be done in faith, else they have no being whatsoever. Has anybody guessed I'm gonna talk to you about faith today? Okay. Today I wanna talk to you about persistence. You know what persistence is? It's a four-year-old in a cereal aisle at a grocery store. You ever taken a four-year-old down the, the aisle in a, in a grocery store? And you know, they're thinking, I mean, they're smart. You know, like Cocoa Puffs, Count Dracula, or whatever it is. I mean, they got all these ones, you know, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. You, you just can't get Captain Crunch. You gotta get the Crunch Berries. How many of you like Captain Crunch with the Crunch Berries? Some of you just need to live. I mean, these <laughs> frosted flakes, right? The tiger. What kid doesn't like the tiger? You're going down the aisle, there's the tiger. I want the tiger. Give me the captain, the tiger, and I'll take two Count Choculus. Right? Now, if you tell the kid, no, it's not healthy, what happens? You eventually end up buying them anyway, but you're trying to correct them. You're training them. You're saying, now, listen, you can't have that. It's not good for you. Forget good for me. I'm four. I've got a lot of life to live. Give me my, give me my seal right now. Amen? Right? But there's persistence there. Have you ever noticed how many times, if you have kids, and let's say that they're a little bit older, how many times in the lifetime of those kids did they finally get what they wanted and you told them no in the beginning? You know how they won? Persistence. Persistence. I remember one time, we, our, our boys got in the room, they, they were young, and they got lipstick and paint and everything else, and they just completely redecorated a wall. I was so mad, and so I said, okay, you guys, since you destroyed the wall, you have to stand with your nose against the wall until I tell you. Well, by the time they got crying, rubbing their grubby hands on the wall and snot coming out their face, I realized it was more harmful for, for me to clean up the mess than it was for them to put their nose against the wall. What did they do? They kept crying. They cried. They didn't have any tears left. Why? Persistence. 
Do you realize that persistence is a biblical concept that God wants you to operate in the realm of faith? In the realm of faith. Now, we're gonna show you a story here that's taken in Luke chapter 11, so if you have a Bible and you wanna look there, uh, please do that now. But listen to what it says, that persistent faith is a relentless faith, all right? I want you to say the word relentless with me. Ready? One, two, three. Relentless. Relentless. Do never say, I tried that, it didn't work. That's not relentless faith. So in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse five, Jesus said to them, he said, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer you and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. I cannot rise and give to you. Now let me contextually set up the story. So the story, the the tradition was that if somebody came to you and had a need, you would help them regardless how inconvenient it was, okay? If you had someone come to your house, you always had to take care of them, and that was just part of the culture. So he gets a guest at night, and all of a sudden he realizes, I have no bread, I have no food, I have nothing to give my guest. So he goes to his neighbor and he knocks on the door. And the guy says, go away. All my kids are asleep. I can't help you now. And what does he do? He keeps knocking on the door. And finally, what happens, you were gonna see the story, is he's going to give him not just what he asked for as much as he wants. Why? Because of persistence. Here's what I've learned about faith. Faith is not convenient. Whenever you start operating in faith, it's not, you're out of your comfort zone altogether. It just doesn't feel right. It's almost sometimes tempting to go, I'd just rather not believe God if this is what I have to go through to believe God. Are you with me on this? How many of you can say an amen to that one? Because there are times where you go, oh my gosh, I'm just pushed and pulled in every direction and my life was really smooth and now my life is not smooth and now I'm trusting God and waiting for God to do something. Is God gonna do something? You go like, maybe it's just easier just to not do this. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to get you, to operate outside of the realm of faith. But what I've noticed is that desperation increases faith. We've seen God do some great things in this church, but every time that God does something, it's always at the last moment. Have you ever noticed that about God? Anybody give me a witness on that one? Yes, God came through in the last moment. I almost think, God, maybe we should just set the calendar a little bit closer. That way you can come through a little quicker at the last moment. Amen? All right, so, but but when you, you think about it, this man went to the door and he started knocking. But the man said no, But what did the man knocking do? He kept knocking. Why? Because the door is never shut. Take note of that. I encountered a shut door. That doesn't mean there's not another door. It doesn't mean it's permanently shut. Sometimes we operate so, we're just so sensitive to know that we either get mad at God and say, well, God didn't answer my prayer, or we just assume it is a no and it's never gonna reopen. What I really believe is the door is never shut. It just may be the wrong door. It may be the wrong time. But what happens is we don't see, we don't get access into that realm unless we persist in our faith and keep pushing and pushing and pushing until we see the hand of God work in our life. Now these are just basic nuts and bolts of of operating in the faith realm. 
And I, and I think if you'll just start to pick up these, and by the way, if you have the church app, you can, all the notes that I'm giving you today, they're on the app, you can go there, you can follow along, and you say, wow, I gotta remember that, they're there. But you have to open up the app, you have to take a little initiative in the realm of this. Persistence unlocks doors. You see, if you keep knocking on a door long enough, persistence will open that door. Let me show you what it says in Luke chapter 11 and verse eight. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Do you notice that friendship was not the basis of helping this guy? Okay, now remember, this is a parable, this is a story. It's it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Are you with me? So God is saying prayer is like this. In other words, God doesn't answer your prayer because he likes you or because you're his friend. He does because of persistence. That's the principle in this story. Well, I think if I just cry long enough, no, tears don't do it either. You see, there's different ways to access God and see God move in your life. For example, in, in Matthew chapter 7 and 17, verse 21, it says, these kinds, speaking of this demonic spirit, do not come out of this boy who was demon-possessed in the New Testament without prayer and fasting. You see, fasting. So there was an element there. So prayer has to, is all, is a, it is an assumption. It's always gonna be operating, sometimes fasting, but always persistence, persistent. If we give up too soon, we don't see the hand of God. So persistence unlocks doors. Persistence is more powerful than friendship. Hey, I like my kids, and they would say, give me that, and I'd say no. I don't care if I do like you. I need it. I don't care. I'm not buying it for you. I'm a cheapo. I'm not doing it. Right? But what do they do? Dad, please. I talked to mom. She said it was okay. Right? She's like the mother Mary. I'm like the father. The things are happening in our household. I don't even know what's going on. I've been undercut over here on the other side. You're playing both ends. You can't win if you're a dad. Amen? But what's happening? What's happening is persistence is working. They're working every angle. Boy, you're working every angle. Yeah, I called up Uncle Bob, and Bob said it was okay too. Bob, who's Bob? We don't even have an Uncle Bob in our household. But you see, I want you to understand this principle of persistence. You see, what persistence does is it sees the invisible first and then begins to operate in the natural. I remember uh, this, call it a vision, call it a, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what to call it. I was a dream. I was, before we bought this building, I was praying and God showed me in a dream or I don't even know if it was awake, I can't remember, but it was a vault, a big vault with two doors in heaven. And I walked into this vault and there were all these notebooks on the shelf. And I looked around and there was an angel in there and I said, what are all these notebooks? He said, uh, one of these is the loan for your building. And I said, really, that's exciting. Yeah, but it, it doesn't do any good until you take it off the shelf. And I thought, that's how, how weird. You know, I, I, when you're living out those dreams, you don't know if they're real, they're not real, you're awake, you're not awake. And I pulled it off and I, and I, and I had it and I, and I opened it up. And when I opened it up, all these old coins started falling out of this vault in heaven to earth. And I realized God was showing me something in the spiritual realm of what he was gonna do in the physical realm. But I had to get there first. 
So when we began to, to think about this building, then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, in a few minutes, uh, I just began to, we began to kind of pray. My wife and I began to pray, and we began to seek God and, and say, and we saw it released first to us, but it was released in heaven to earth. Whenever you pray, God likes to exceed your expectations. Have you ever prayed for something and you got more than you prayed for? Right? I mean, that's a great thing, amen? How about you prayed for something and God gave you something different? You didn't know you needed the something different, but the something different was what you really needed. God knew it. You didn't know it. You, th- you were going down one path. No, God said, that's the wrong path. I'm going to give you what you really need. But God likes to exceed your expectations. Let me show you this scripture from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, and I, I'm going to read it out of the amplified version because it just kind of amplifies, as the version says, what's going on. It says, now, to him who is, uh, who is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly more and, uh, than all we could ever dare to ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Now, I like the way it kind of amplifies that. It says, to carry out his purpose and infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. So sometimes we're praying, we're saying, God, this is what I'm trusting you for. And God says, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do more than that. I would like to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could ever ask or think. Because who gets the glory in that scenario? God gets the glory, not you. And God wants you to operate in this realm where you are always thankful to God and you walk humbly before your God so you just know that God is engaging in your life. And that's that's reassuring because you know if God's with you now, he's going to be with you tomorrow too. So I want to show you there's a a drone video that we did and you've seen part of this but you haven't seen the second half of it. This is a new building we're, we're in escrow on right now. And one of the reasons that that we're pursuing this is because across the street, if you've ever been there, uh, we do children's over there on Sunday morning, but we have to take our entire office out and set up for kids. It's like a gypsy market every week uh, because we just, you know, it's just nightmare because we just got to pick it up, clean it up, take it up. And so I just wanted to show you a little bit of what happens over there on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. And uh, these, are, these are like real live breathing kids who love Jesus and they're excited about their faith. And so we're going to take that area across the street. We're going to take the whole area, which is 4,000 square feet. We're going to expand that into our older kids' area so that we have more room for them. And then then we're going to move our office across over to our new building. And we're going to be able to do adult Bible studies there throughout the week on Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Wednesday, whenever we want to have them. Because right now we're trying to ram in adult Bible studies in different places. And some of you have been in those and you go like, it's so noisy. Everything's going on around here. And so God has given us this and the the location of it. I think we have a a picture of location of, of where it is. So here's where we are in the worship center. Our ministry center is next door. And so it's really close, and God has just really done some amazing things. We talk about, about that first generation, the first 10 years uh, of being pioneers, and those are people who laid groundwork for us. They, they, you know, they were engaged in everything from scraping up tile in this floor uh, to putting up walls to hanging lights to doing all those kind of things. And, and we're going into our next decade, which I'm calling Builders. The next 10 years is going to be builders. And here's what I think builders do. I think builders set the tone for the future. If you're part of this fellowship and you remain in this fellowship for the, for the upcoming years, then you're going to set the tone for the future. 
It's the way you pray that's going to set a tone. The way you give, the way you serve, the way you love, the way you do, everything you do, it's going to set a tone for the future to come. It also leaves a legacy for the generation to come. You know, some of you are new to the church and you have no idea about what the first nine years have been and part of our ministry here and all the lives that have been changed, all the people have been saved and people have been healed. And, you know, Tammy made reference to the Salvation Army and, and uh, our daughter Jen is a missions pastor. And, and, I, and I asked her this morning, I said, can you just give me a couple of quick reports about what happened at the Salvation, this is the emergency shelter in Anaheim. And, and here's one of the stories. There was a man who had suffered a stroke and could not move his right leg at all. He just dragged it behind him with a walker, and after we prayed, he could lift up his foot and walk. Now, I don't know about you. If that was your leg, would you be clapping right now? I mean, you'd be clapping. If, you, if that was your leg that was dragging and you, you couldn't walk, you'd be, you'd be jumping and shouting and, and praising God. You see, part of what faith is is rejoicing in those who see miracles in their life. Because when you rejoice, it opens up your spirit to receive that from God. Here's another story. A woman who had been taunted by a demon and saying that she was going to kill herself every night, she was so scared she was going to take her own life. We prayed for her, and we were done. The CEO of the, of the Salvation Army asked if the demon was gone, and she said, I don't know. And he said, no, you'd know it when it, it, it departs from you. So we prayed more, and all of a sudden, she started crying, and she could sing worship songs. She refused to sing worship songs before this happened. And she, along with four other people, received Christ. You'll say, well, that sounds kind of weird. Not really. If you read the Bible, that's kind of what goes on. If you're a spiritual being, there's weird things happen to your spirit. If you're a physical being, weird things happen to your physical, right? And so we, when we see God working in our world, we see that we're leaving a legacy of faith. When you walk out to that prayer wall, and we don't know exactly how many in there, somewhere between 60 and 100,000 prayers are in that prayer wall. They're prayers that you've put in there, that you're believing God for. We've seen uh, all kinds of miracles come out of that wall because people pray. Well, let me talk to you about a little miracle here. So what we needed is 20% down on this building, which cost six point uh, something million dollars. We needed uh, $1.215 million. That's a lot of money, right? Now, remember, we started this campaign five weeks ago. I know you feel like I've been talking about it since Jesus walked the earth, amen? It's really only been, it was, it was October 17th when it all began, but I want you to see what happens. And since that time, the, the amount given in this five-week period is a little over a million dollars. Amen? And you know, you think, well, wow, that's amazing, you know? And can I just say this? It, it's really interesting. I didn't put it up there, but it's something like, and four cents, because some people would give like $25.04. And you know, it might seem insignificant, but it's significant. You see, because when you do that, you're doing math probably. You're figuring out some reason why that four cents is important in that whole picture. Maybe you got a check for $25.40 and you said, I want to give this amount. But you see, every penny, what I'm trying to emphasize here is everything is significant in the kingdom. Everything is significant. Every gift, whether it's small or large, is significant in what we're doing here because it's the heart behind it. It's not how much it, it's on the surface there. 
And so the remaining that we have, the remainder that we have is two hundred and one thousand dollars, and and uh, we're just praying for that. T- tomorrow we'll we'll give a hundred another hundred thousand into escrow, and the loan will go hard. What that means, the contract will go hard. That means that we can't get our money back because we're committed to going through with the deal, and we are. We we believe God's going to do this. We believe this other two hundred is going to come in. Some of you could write that check today. Some of you could write a check for four cents but everything is significant. That's what I'm trying to say. You see, and the reason that we want to emphasize that is because it's the same thing in the realm of of mankind. Sometimes you feel insignificant because maybe your name's never been in lights or you don't have a lot of money or you don't live in the right zip code or whatever it is. Never think that. Remember, every person in this room is created in the image of God. And you're significant and important to God. And you have gifts just like everyone else. You may not have released them yet, but you have gifts that God wants to use to bless other people. This is also a great time. We receive one gift of of a stock donation, and it's a great thing to do because you avoid all the capital gains on a stock, and you get the full amount for your taxes, but you you don't have to pay the capital gains if you sell it and then take the money. That's That's the reverse way to do it. But why? You see, you look at your life and you go, God, what can I do to help Move the kingdom forward. And I promise you there'll come a time when we're going to have the open house. We're going to do an open house on Sunday morning before and after the service where you can walk through across the street. You're going to walk through it, and there's going to be something inside of you that says, I wish I'd have given at least four cents. I wish I'd have been a part of it. You see? And I, and I just want everybody. You see, the more we can kind of work together and be in, in together in something, the more, the more significant it feels when we see the manifestation of it all. I've been giving out my mobile number. Uh, people, every, everyone said I was crazy. I kind of like it now because um, now I don't have to try to keep it from people. Say, well, can I have your mobile number? And I go, well, yeah, I really don't give that out. Now I'm just giving it out in church and online, and, and everybody's got it. And so, you know, if you want to contact me, say, Pastor, I'd like to get involved in this, you can do that. Um, no one has harassed me or tricked me yet, so uh, that's good. I haven't had to block anybody. I'm, I'm happy about that. But persistence, here's what persistence does. It secures your future. It secures your future. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. So I say unto you, ask, look at this, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, you notice there's three words there that are significant. Seek, uh, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, okay, I'm asking. Now I'm seeking. Now you see the intensity goes up. And this word knock here is a word that doesn't mean like this. It means more like this. You ever have anybody at your door doing this? You ever been locked out of something? Let me out of here. What's the difference? Can I please have this? No. Really? Can I please have this? No. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I need that now. I got to have it now. What's the difference? Intensity. Persistence has emotion behind it. Now, I know and you know, it's a pretty white church here, so sometimes emotion's a hard thing. <laughs> we appreciate every ethnic group, right? And all the all us white people are a little bit too calm. We need a little bit of color to kind of get things amped up. Amen? I'm telling you what. How about Pastor Larry's shoes? Did you see his shoes today? It has, they have hair growing on them. There's something. When he... 
when he gets back up here, you look at his shoes, they've got hair growing on him. And I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off the shoes. I just like, look at the shoes. Oh my gosh. Look what it says. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, it will be opened. Now, I want you to see something here. You see, there's asking, seeking, knocking, but I think there are levels of what you receive. For example, if I ask, I receive something, okay? But if I seek, I think it goes to the next level. If I knock, I think it goes to the next level. I think that God takes and, and he responds to our prayer in light with the intensity with which and the persistence where which we ask. I love this scripture in 1 Chronicles 4.10. It's about a guy by the name of Jabez. And it says, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me. I mean, jot this scripture down and make this a part of your prayer. Oh, God, that you would bless me indeed. Have you asked for his blessings lately? You should do it every day. God, would you just bless me? And how did he want to be blessed? Look what it says, and enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. What does that have to do? That has to do with influence. I want, a, I want, a, I want a, a territory that has I have greater influence over, that your hand would be with me. In other words, in this greater influence I have, I don't want your hand to depart from me. In other words, I want your, your presence. I want your approval in what I do, that you would keep me from evil. See, sometimes when you get too much of something, your temptation goes up to the same level and you forget the Lord your God. He says, so keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. You see what happens is when we get away from God, we cause ourselves and others pain. And this was his prayer, that I might not cause pain. So God, had, God granted him what he asked. I love that, don't you? God granted what he asked. So what's the, what's the, the picture here? It is ask, are you asking? It's seeking. Are you seeking? Are you knocking? You know, God has a marvelous way of bringing love and justice together. During the Great Depression, Mayor LaGuardia, you've probably been to LaGuardia Airport in New York or heard of it, but he was actually named after the mayor of, of New York. And during the Great Depression, LaGuardia would sometimes go down at night court and he would serve as a judge just to stay connected to the people. And on one occasion, they brought in an elderly man who was arrested for stealing bread. And the judge heard the case, Judge LaGuardia, heard the case, and he looked at the man, he said, you know, the law is the law, and he fined the man who was poor, stealing bread because he was hungry, $10. Then he reached in his wallet and he paid the fine. And then he fined everybody in the courtroom 50 cents for allowing, for allowing that to go on in that city. And the man left with $50 in his pocket. Love and justice met. When you walk with God, love and justice will always meet. Pursue God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and give him the glory, amen? Would you stand with me right now? I'm gonna ask you just to close your, your eyes and bow your head for a moment. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, love and justice met. 
He took everything we fall short of, it's called in the Bible, sin, and he died on the cross for you and for me. That's that reckless love that we were singing about earlier. Love and justice met, and the only requirement for you and for me was to call upon the name of the Lord and say, God, would you save me? Would you just rescue me? Would you, would you make me one of your children today? The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise of God. How do I do that, Pastor, like this? I'm gonna just pray a sample prayer for you right now. You can pray it right along with me out loud to yourself, but pray it this prayer. If, you, if you're uncertain about your eternal list, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried, rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, right now and save me. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Call me one of your own, I pray, in your name. If that was your prayer, if that was your prayer, just thank him right now in your own words. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. You see, that was an act of faith. Just like if you're a Christian, it's an act of faith to move into that next realm of believing God and seeing God work. Amen.